we all want to experience kindness from others. And we all need to distribute kindness to others. You see, it was, um, it was just another day. It was another day for this particular lady, and she was going to do what she always did. You see, there was a strategy to what she did. Because she knew that if she went to do what she needed to do at a certain time, she would be judged. She would be, um, she would be talked about. She would experience the unkindness from people. And after doing that for a number of years, she figured out a way that she could avoid all of the unkindness. All of the, the glaring looks, the judgmental looks, she could avoid it all if she just could figure out a different strategy. And she did. She did. It wasn't convenient by far. It actually was more work. And yet she chose to do the same thing she did every single day at the same time, except this one day would change what she did forever, forever. You see... Jesus, and John tells us this story in chapter 4, Jesus is having to travel. He, he's, he's leaving Judea, so think of Judea as kind of in the south, and, and he's headed to Galilee, and we'll see later in the in this story, he's headed to, to Cana in Galilee, and, and there's this place between Judea and Galilee, and it's this, this place called Samaria. And perhaps you, you know the story But what's interesting about this particular story is the kindness that comes out of it from Jesus and through the woman that everybody judged. In verse 4 of chapter 4, this is what it says. And he, Jesus, had to pass through Samaria. What's fascinating to me is when I think about like Jesus had to, I don't know that Jesus had to do anything. But it says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. That is true and it's not true. You say, well, I thought the Bible's true. It is true. But if you were a strict Jew, you did not pass through Samaria. You would would go around. You would take, in fact, it was about 68 miles, about a two and a half day journey. But because you hated the Samaritans so much, you would double your journey on one side or the other, to simply avoid going through Samaria to get to Galilee. But not Jesus, of course. So Jesus had to to pass through Samaria to get to his ultimate destination. And what's interesting is what Jesus did and where he went. You see, she, the woman from Samaria, is doing what she normally did. Jesus meets her. In fact, it says this in in verse 6. Jesus was weary from his journey. In fact, sometimes uh, the Bible is fascinating when you look up like certain words. The word wearied literally means he was so exhausted as if he had been physically beaten down. So here you have the, the humanity, the humanness of Jesus that comes to life, that rises to the surface, and it says that he had, was so tired, so exhausted, so weary, as if he had been physically beaten on his journey, and he comes to this particular well. In this particular town of Samaria called Sychar, 
It's the only time it's mentioned. And they go to this well, and it's about a half mile. The well is about a half mile outside of uh, the city. And the well's about 100 feet deep. So, I mean, it's not something you just stick like a, a milk uh, gallon in and get your water and you head on home. I mean, it is work. At the end of verse 6, it says, it was about the sixth hour. You say, well, what time is that? The hottest part of the day. You see, remember the story I told you before? This woman from Samaria came to the well at the sixth hour. She came at noon. Why? Because nobody else was there. You see, how it typically worked is women would bring their jars, and they would come in the early morning when it was cool. They would fill up their jars with water so they would have it for the day. They would come back in the evening when it was cool so they would have water for the night. That's just how it worked. But not this woman. You see, she had done that enough times. She had gotten enough glaring looks, enough judgmental words, enough rumors were circulating around about her that she said, I could avoid all of these other women by coming at noon when I'm alone. And that's what she did. So here she's doing what she always does, coming to the well at noon, the hottest part of the day. And lo and behold, she's not alone. There came a woman to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. I remember I was reading this one time with somebody, and they said, Couldn't he have said, like, please? You know? So don't, don't read it like, you give me, don't read it like that. But give me a drink. I mean, she would be able to visibly see his exhaustion. It's hot. His disciples had left him to go into town to buy food. They assumed that he would be alone because nobody comes to the well at noon. You think all of this is just a coincidence? Not hardly. The Samaritan woman says, How is it that you, a Jew, ask me, a woman from Samaria, for something to drink? I mean, this is no surprise to many of you, but Jesus obliterates all of the, the chasms and the separations between two people. You see, there was a, a socioeconomic gap. There was a, a religious gap. There was a political gap. There was just, we don't even like you gap. And yet, Jesus speaks to her. In fact, one of the most interesting gaps is that even Jewish men, don't shoot me, I'm just the messenger. Jewish men sometimes would not even speak to their own wives in public. They, they definitely wouldn't speak to another woman. On top of that, she's a Samaritan woman. So, I mean, it, it's beyond all reason why Jesus speaks to her. But he does. What's fascinating is what Jesus says back to her. He says, if, if you knew the gift of God, when you look up the word gift, it's talking about something that's honorable to you. I'm honoring you with a gift. It, it, it's, it's bountiful. It's free. There's, it, it's no compensation. It's just, it's remarkable here. And Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have offered me a drink. And the woman said, I, I don't, like, I mean... You don't have anything to draw water with. This well's deep, about 100 feet deep. And then she asked him, where do you get the living water? Because he references, and you, I would have given you living 
water. You see, water was a familiar um, topic. It was a familiar topic because sometimes they would have it and sometimes they wouldn't. And so when he uses the word living water, it, it resonates with her. Because she has to work hard to come at the hottest part of the day to get water, to satisfy. She only comes once. And so she's got to figure out how to do twice as long what everybody else does. She doesn't want to be seen in public. She doesn't want to be talked about. She doesn't want to be judged anymore. Enough. And Jesus offers this living water and she says to him, "Like I, I, I want this living water. And then he Goes, this, goes into a story. He says, whoever drinks this water, t- talking about the water at the well, they're going to be thirsty again. But, but if you drink of the water that I give you, you'll never be thirsty. It, it's interesting that, how many, any English teachers in here? We had one in the last service. Okay, we have one. You, you deserve an award. Yes. Uh, it, it's interesting when you look up this word, whoever drinks of the water, not of the well, but of what Jesus is offering, this living water, It's literally, you will drink one time, and it will satisfy the depths of your soul. But that's not what the other word drinks of this water. You're going to repeatedly have to drink of this water. You're going to have to come out here. You're getting satisfaction. You don't have to encounter any other women. They're not judging you. You get your water, and you go home, and then the next day you repeat. You, you, You live on repeat. And Jesus says, if you'll drink of water I'm offering to you, you drink one time. And it will satisfy the depths of your soul. Of which she has struggled, and we'll learn why in just a second. The woman said, give me some of this water. I don't want to be thirsty. And Jesus said to her, "Mm, this is where it gets real. Jesus said to her, go get your husband. Now, could you imagine? She's like, oh boy. How am I going to do this one? Um, hmm. Uh, I don't have a husband. But I just get by with like, I don't have a husband. <laughs> and Jesus says, oh, you're, you're right. You've had five. And the man that you're hooked up with right now, he's not your husband. Hmm. That's what all the other women at the well do to her. But Jesus takes it a different approach. He approaches it with kindness, not with judgment. He approaches it with care, not a disgust. And this was different for her. Jesus, they had this conversation. All of a sudden, she gets kind of spiritual. She starts talking about the worship. And, you know, you ever been busted with something and you try to, like, you try to figure out a way out of it? You know, you get, like... Maybe you run into somebody from church or even Ken at the grocery store like 30 minutes after church and you're like, I mean, I was sick and, you know, like couldn't come. You know, I mean, God was speaking to me at home. You know, I mean, you try to figure out, you know. And that's what she's doing. She kind of goes from what Jesus, oh, and she starts talking about worship at the base of this mountain and, you know, in Jerusalem. And Jesus is like, hey, location is irrelevant Come and come t- in due time. Because you're going to worship in spirit. That means you don't have to be at the base of the mountain, which is near to where they are. You you don't have to be in Jerusalem to worship me. You could be anywhere. So she obliterates, he obliterates even this notion that you have to be in a physical place. And that equates 
to worship. And he says, the time's coming, you'll worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah, in verse 25, is coming. He who is called the Christ. When he comes, he's going to tell us these things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I, I am the guy that you've heard about. That's me. You're alone at the well, intentionally alone at the well, and yet this man who had to go through Samaria is at the same well that you are at the same time as you are. And doesn't judge, is kind, offers you living water, even before the conversation about what you've done. This is different. This is kind. His disciples come back from town after buying food. This kind of makes me laugh. They marvel that he was talking with a woman. Because of the obvious reasons. Nobody said, what are you looking for? Or why are you talking with her? I mean, if it's me, I'm not questioning Jesus. I'm just going to go with like it's cool. What he's doing is cool. I'm going to leave him alone. He, he probably makes pretty good decisions. So far, we're, we'll just let him do his thing. The woman left her jar. She brings her jar along with her story, her scars, what people say about her, self-inflicted decisions. She brings all of that to the well. She meets this man. This man offers her something very different. True kindness. She leaves her water jar and she heads back to town. And you know what she does? Come. Come see a man who told me all that I have done. Could this be the Christ? And people would be familiar with that because they've been taught. These stories have been passed down. There are these oral traditions that they've heard about this Jesus, this Messiah called the Christ. Could this be him? Verse 30, they went out of the town. The, the, the people who ridiculed her are now listening to her. The people that were not kind to her are now listening to her. I mean, I'm not saying I would do this, but there is this itty bitty little human bent to if all of you had been kind to me and somebody had given something unkind to me and somebody given me something kind, I might, I might just hold on to it myself. Because y'all are mean. You talk about me. You look at me. You judge me. You're harsh. You talk about me behind my back. And when you walk, that's why I go to the well at noon. So I can avoid all of you. It hurts. All of those people left the town and followed her. That's amazing. The very people... The very person they wanted to avoid and judge is the very person they are now listening to. They went out of the town and were coming to him. She says, you've got to come see this man. He, he told me all that I have done. Well, they already know. They're like, oh, how long did that take? And so they went out of the town. The disciples go on in this conversation about, uh, Rabbi, you need to eat. And he teaches them again, I have food that you don't even know about. He's, again, he's trying to help them understand who he is. 
And then in verse 38, he says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's story, her testimony. They all knew her. They all knew what she had done. They all knew what she was currently doing. Hooked up with another guy. It's not even her husband. Had five before. And yet now, they believe in him because of her story. You see, she had experienced a lot of things that were not kind. She had made a lot of decisions that inflicted moments that weren't kind to herself. She had heard it all. She had seen it all. And yet in this moment that she thought she'd be alone, a man comes to her, a Jewish man, and demonstrates, dispenses remarkable kindness. Kindness won her over. You say, it can't be that simple. Not my words, but in Romans 2.4, it's not the beating of a table or the beating of a pulpit or, or pointing at you or telling you everything that you've done wrong that draws you to this person named Jesus. Romans 2.4 says it's actually kindness that draws you to want to change your life. Because of, you know, you already know what you deserve. I already know what I deserve. But if there's one man that says, but I'm going to give you kindness. I'm going to give you this gift, the same gift. It's bountiful. It's honorable. It's free. There's no charge. Like, it's, it's yours. It's a, it's a living water. It doesn't, it doesn't ever run dry. You don't ever have to be so low that you, 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 the water's dried out. It just continuously flows. And this would be language she's familiar with. All throughout the Old Testament, we hear about fountains and water and running water. And she knows what it means when it dries up. And she knows what it means when it continually runs. Because it never does. But she could have that. It's kindness. And because of his kindness to her. And because of her kindness to the people that were not kind to her. The town was changed. In fact, Jesus was so attractive in his kindness. The words that he said, his his disposition, his interactions. People were were mesmerized and they said, please stay with us for two days. And he did. The Samaritans invited a Jewish man to stay with them for two days. And he did. And then it goes on to say in verse 42. They said to the woman. It is no longer because of what you said. This is after he's been there right at the end of two days. That we believe, for we have heard ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Could you imagine what was taking place? I I imagine in just my imaginative mind that how many apologies, how much reconciliation, how much kindness is being demonstrated, that she no longer has to go to the well at the hottest part of the day alone anymore. She can go when everybody else goes. Because kindness has liberated her. Jesus has liberated her. They listened to her. They followed. They came to see a man. He stayed there two days and they said, you got us here, but because he stayed He is the Savior of the world. 
But it all started when one man was kind. And then when she was kind. You see, how it works is we receive the kindness of God. And then we pass the kindness on to other people. Now, this week, you're going to be with family, friends, some of which may not be so kind to you. Some of which are really, really, don't look at each other, um, or say to a spouse, they're talking about your side of the family. <laughs> Y'all can figure that out later. <laughs> but, but maybe a tangible way, an immediate way to try, is what would it look like this week to be kind to the people who aren't kind to you? Well, you don't know what they deserve. True. True. Did you know you're also one of those people that's not so kind? You say, not me. I bet if we were to go ask some people, they would say that. If you ask people about me, there's been probably many, many moments where I haven't been kind. You can ask my, my wife, my kids, please don't. But you can, people I've worked with or friends, there's probably been moments I've not been so kind. We are humans. And I started with everybody wants to experience kindness. And everybody needs to distribute kindness. You see, we're most like Him when we love like Him, when we distribute kindness like Him. You say, well, that's why I don't have any bumper sticker or Jesus things in my car. Because it ain't pretty. And maybe some of that will have a chance to, you know, happen over the shopping this week. But I, what I'll say is this. What, what would it be like if we were both like Jesus and like this woman from Samaria? We don't deserve His kindness. I've said things. I've done things. I've, but yet, beyond all of that, Jesus is kind to me. He's kind to her. He wants to be kind to you. And if what he offers is kind. See, kindness won her over. Kindness wins us over. And then like her, kindness wins over people. Not judgment. It's easy to judge. Students, you go to school. I suspect even in this own church of humans... That sometimes it's even challenging to come to church because you know there is somebody that's going to be there that judges you, that talks about you behind your back. Or they smile at church, but when you get to school, it's like, it happens. Y'all know. There's some of you sitting in this room that you've hurt other people in this room. And yet you come to church week after week after week after week. What well, What if? What if we were just kind? You're not always going to get it right. But in that, kindness is realizing that and saying, I'm sorry for that and making it right. You see, this, this woman, her life was changed. Her town was changed. Conversations were changed. Relationships were changed simply because of kindness. And the best picture that you can give to other people of this man called the Christ is kindness. 
Not judgment. Not, well, let me tell you what you need to do. Trust me, most people know that they don't get things right. What most people don't know is kindness. And kindness attracts people. People were attracted to Jesus because he was kind. He was truthful, but he was kind. What if you became known as the kindest person around? Well, you don't know me. I've got a long way to go. Start today. One little decision at a time. What if this church became known as the kindest church in the area? Can I be honest with you? Most churches, that is not what they're known for. They're known for if you want to get judged, go there. If you want people to look at you funny because you're not on the in, in the in crowd, go there. You're not in the circle of trust, so go there. You're not. Th- what if? What if every person became the kindest people, and this church became the kindest church in the area? What could happen? Families restored. More people come to church. Relationship. I mean, like it. A town was changed because a woman was kind enough to invite people. She was changed because Jesus was kind enough to offer her something worthwhile. Let's pray. Jesus, there have been many, many moments I have not been kind. That's not right. Whether it be words or tone, body language, even maybe a look. But what if, what if we became the kindest people around? What if we became the kindest church around? What would happen? Are people still going to be rude and mean and judgmental? Yep. Yep. Are we still going to struggle with that? Yep. But, but what if we put intentional effort, a concerted effort, into being the kindest people? It first starts with receiving the kindness that Jesus offers, this living water, this relationship with Him. That He can clean up, He can make new our lives because He's kind, because He's gracious. And then we can go and we can be kind to other people. So help us to model that. Help us to be the kindest people around. Help us to be the kindest church around and watch what happens. Help us to get started this week. As difficult as some of the people we'll interact with may be, help us to start small and just keep giving it our best. God, help us to be kind. Help us to be kind. Help us to be kind. And by the way, thank you for being so kind to me. In Jesus' name.